What up, y'all? It's your girl, Willoughby, and welcome to another episode of the New Teacher Bootcamp Podcast, where I am your host. This is going to be a safe space, y'all, for new teachers and veteran teachers to learn from my mistakes. Don't forget to like, rate, review, comment, shoot, y'all, tell somebody. This week's episode is brought to you by Thomas Industries. If you want to get fit, then buy this and this. The product on display this week is going to be Slimetry. It's a product I personally endorse. I've been using it, and when I tell you, y'all, it has helped my weight loss goals and my interest goals be consistent i could be more proud of my results i've been losing like a half inch to an inch and a half each week and i've been using it for the last four weeks and i am truly pleased i'm truly pleased now don't think this is gonna be like a a, a miracle pill or nothing like that because you got to do the work okay but when i tell you it has been a, a huge help for me it has it has it has so if you haven't already go ahead get you some again the link will be in the description below so let's get into it, y'all. This week's episode is all about student engagement. We talk about time on task, <laughs> as my former principal would say. Shout out to Dr. SJ, you my shero. So look, y'all, student engagement is like a um, updated version of classroom management. And I say that because when we talk about classroom management, we're talking about being reactive instead of proactive. And student engagement is talking about keeping students' time on task and actually getting their buy-in for the lesson. So the four things we're going to talk about. First thing we're going to talk about is knowing your content because you can't teach something you don't know. Two, getting student buy-in. So getting them to actually want to do the activity. Three, you got to have a little fun with it. And then four, you got to give them a little incentive for doing all that they have done. So this is what it looks like for me. In the health classroom, I like to break up my, I guess, class flow like this. So we'll start with a routine. I get the kids in. We take attendance. We do a bathroom break. We do one section of work or activity. Take another bathroom break. Do another section of activity. Have a brain break if they've earned it. Now, y'all know I've been teaching career investigations, and it's not quite my favorite subject. So I can tell you how it has not going good but not going good not yet going <laughs> sorry <laughs> what i'm trying to say is now that i'm finally into a groove of teaching it and gone through all my growing pains i can tell you the truth about the the classroom engagement piece so prior to being volunteer i mean prior to being given a expectation by my leadership um, my coworker and I came up with a strategy on how to teach career investigations. Now, this subject is normally taught by CTE teachers, so career technical education teachers, which I am not, but I'm always up for a challenge. We came with a plan. Uh, we're going to go through personality assessment. We're going to look at the different um, career clusters. We, you know, we're going to blue, we blueprint this thing ourselves. Well, we were told that we had to follow a different blueprint, which kind of threw a little monkey wrench in our plans, but nonetheless, we roll with the punches. The lessons I taught prior to the ones that were mandated of me, I felt like they were awesome. The kids felt like they were awesome because we kind of, we flow and go. However, when I tried to confine myself to the parameters of what was specifically in the Canvas course and module, it didn't work well for me. So you know what your girl had to do? We had to flip the script. And this is what I did. I took what they gave me and I am going to use what I can use and disregard what I can't. 
I say that because the modules that we put on Canvas only last for half of the semester and the career investigations course lasts for an entire semester. So instead of nine weeks, I got to get through 18 weeks. But this is what we did to kind of revamp that thing. First things first. One, I had to learn my content. So I went through the training. I, I got a better understanding of how they wanted me to teach everything and the different things that I can do outside of what was expected. And now that I have that, I feel like I'm better equipped on how to execute the lessons instead of just freestyling, which freestyling been working. But I also want to make sure that the kids are getting something out of it as well. Now, this is how I created buy-in. I taught the lesson the way I wanted to teach it first. Right, all the content. I taught it the way I wanted to teach it before I took the training. Um, then I implemented the modules, which I thought were trash, and the kids thought were trash. And I said, "Guess what? We're not gonna do this trash no more." And no, trash is a strong word, but when you're telling someone to teach something that's not necessarily their content, you have to give them creative freedom to do what they do. So we went through the modules. The kids hated it. I hated it. So I said, "All right, know what?" We're going to switch it up and make it work for us. In order to create buy-in for my kids, I had to be creative. You know, we're talking about all these careers and all these different things that we're going to learn, but I felt like taking them to Top Golf as a field drift, mm, as a field trip, would be a good incentive for all of that work. Because when I tell you their behavior is a night and day compared to my eighth grade PE class who's supposed to go on a trip, one, I know these kids are going to do what they're supposed to do and what I ask. When I tell you these kids are, and this is eighth grade, when I tell you they're respectful, helpful, and do what I ask them to do, I couldn't be more pleased to take them anywhere. So that's their incentive. Because they've been doing so awesome because past my other class, oh, y'all going. And not only are you going to go, you're going to get the experience of what we call, um, it's a class I took in college. It was called facilities and something else facilities and event management, I believe. And with that particular class, we had to go to different places in the Richmond and Tri-City area in Virginia. We got to view facilities. We got to talk to the personnel who worked there. And I think I'm going to do the same thing with Top Golf. I want them to meet the front of the house and the back of the house. So front of the house, meaning you're going to meet the people who are the face of the company, from your servers to your greeters, the front desk, um, to the people who are basically vacuuming up golf balls. You're going to meet those people. You're going to be the back of the house people who organize things with the managers and uh, the general managers, right? I feel like this would be a better experience for them because I want them to get something from it. I don't want my students to anyway feel like they've earned something they didn't earn. So with that said, when we're talking about student engagement, number four was we want to give them an incentive. When my students work hard for me, I try to reward them any way possible. And one thing I like to do, whether it's health or PE, is give them Fun Friday or a brain break. And that's the incentive they work toward. And I try to lead with that because I know it gets boring being in the classroom or you get worn out being in health, I mean, not health, in PE for 75 minutes and having to be active the entire time. So you want something that you could do to kind of like breathe a little bit. So I lead with the incentive. I said, all right, y'all, y'all know how my classroom flow goes. We're going to do restroom water first after I take attendance. We're going to do our activity. We're going to have another little bathroom water break. Once we get through our second activity, the rest of the time is yours, but that depends on you. A good example would be last week, we were doing fitness testing with eighth grade, and I told them, I said, we should be done with this by 140. So the rest of the time will be yours. That's about 25 minutes of activity they can enjoy on their own. But I said, this is going to depend on you. Y'all, tell me why these kids couldn't make it or do what they're supposed to. 
and it was so entertaining because I'm like, it's real simple. We're giving y'all simple instructions. We're going through the test together. We're about to do the push-ups and curl-ups. It's not that hard, but y'all are making it difficult. Now, if someone were coming to observe me, they would say, well, Johnson, you know, you got kids. What are you going to do for the kids who are waiting to be tested? And we probably could change some things, and which I have for this upcoming week. We're going to do stations for the fitness testing. But when it comes to implementing any part of your content, of course, I said you got to know your content because you can't teach what you don't know. Um, two, you got to create the buy-in. So creating buy-in looks like letting them know what to expect during the class. Right. And then three, hmm, oh, you want them to have fun. <laughs> so having fun looks like I'm enjoying the activity and we're getting through it. And I don't feel as bad for it because now it's like, man, I could do this without feeling stressed. Flip side of that is when you don't have buy-in, when your kids aren't having fun, you can have all kinds of distractions in your class. I'm gonna give you a couple examples of how I maintain student engagement. Outside of normal content, outside of time on test, the fun part is we'll do activities together. So that whole I do, we do, you do method that I was talking about before, how I teach my classes, my kids get to critique me on my skills. So if we're doing soccer, and I ask them to, well, look, tell me what I'm doing wrong. So I'll go up to kick the soccer ball and I might kick it backwards. And they'll be like, come on, coach, you kicking it backwards. You don't know where you're kicking it to. I said, oh, man, shoot, you right, you right, you right, right. All right, how about now? And I might um, try to roll the ball from underneath my foot. And they're like, no, nah, you got to, you know, use your instep. Or if you're going for a shot, you got to use your laces. It gives the kids the opportunity to like, oh, well, coach messing up. So maybe um, it ain't too bad if I'm not perfect at this. Even when we were talking about the fitness gram, so the, the push of the curl of the pacer, the shoulder stretch, trunk lift, the students were engaged in because one, it was relatable. There's something they've done from the previous year, right? So they already know what to expect and what to do. But I always like to throw in there, you know, and if we have time at the end, we like to have a little free time where you do activities until class is over. Now, some people think that, oh, you shouldn't allow too much free time with the kids, but why not? I'm not overdoing it. It's just a good balance. It's a good balance. Um, you you come in, you do what I ask you to do, you follow directions, you're rewarded with this. That's the same thing for coming to work. I come to work on time, I'm rewarded with this. Everybody wants to be rewarded and everyone likes to work towards some type of incentive. That's the same thing with a credit card. Cash back, give me the cash back. Matter of fact, I got a cash back this week. <laughs> I wasn't expecting it, but it showed up and I appreciated it. You know, so I'm paying my bill on time. I'm not splurging too much with my spending, but I'm still getting cash back. It was an incentive. And I feel like students need an incentive to do the right thing. With student engagement, you want them, again, to feel like they're co-creating the learning experience. You want them to feel like they have um, some say-so. Going back to my career investigation group, you know, I was really frustrated with my venture rec students. That's my eighth grade PE. I was really frustrated with them because I'm just like, you know, they don't follow directions. They don't do what I asked them to do. Like the class is a night and day. And I'm talking to the kids, you know, we're, we're co-creating, you know, they're brainstorming with me what would be a good alternative. And I said, you know what? I should take y'all instead. And some of the kids kind of had a shocked look on their face of what you mean. I said, I should take y'all to Top Golf instead. They don't deserve to go because the behaviors are awful. You're not going nowhere to embarrass me. And I said, think about it. And those who have the other PE, y'all know the other ones don't follow directions. So why should I take them when I could take y'all? And they're like, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, take us. Mm-hmm, we do what we're supposed to do, take us. <laughs> I love eighth grade's honesty. 
And that's so important because when kids feel like they have a say so, not necessarily in charge, but if when they feel like they have a say so, it changes the way your lesson goes. It also allows them to feel like what they're saying is value. You know, kids today, a lot of them are ignored and a lot of them have too much say so. But with it, we give them the space to um, exercise their liberties. And, and it ain't much, you know, it's just me asking the question, what y'all think about this? Or what do y'all think about that? And the kids, I'm telling you, they've been just super phenomenal with giving me positive feedback on what we should and shouldn't do. And I appreciate that. So let me give you a couple of scenarios of how student engagement works in different environments. As you know, I used to do interventions with the students because I was at a school that wasn't quite accredited. Uh, we were Title One schools, so we had a lot of resources. So when it came to me to teach, what I would do is, uh, let's say I'm doing interventions for math. Oh, I would race the kids. We would do minute math and we would have to fill out the multiplication grid. And they're looking at me like, oh, well, you don't know your multiplication. I said, mm, I don't. I said, let me tell you something. I may not like all math, but I like to count my money. I like to multiply it and divide it. And they're looking at me like, well, we're going to do this quickly. I said, okay, game on. <laughs> hey, series at the time of four, 60 seconds. <laughs> and we would go and they'd be like, yo, how do you know all this stuff? I said, yo, it's relatable. And I'm telling you, my students would be so fascinated. Well, how, what do you mean it's relatable? I said, look, if I don't know what my sevens and eights are, I go to a multiple that's close to that. So I know what five times, so if I'm trying to figure out seven times eight, well, I know seven times seven is 49. So I add another seven. And it's like the look on their face is like, what? I said, yeah, y'all making this too difficult. And I know that that rote memorization is, isn't something that they do in school anymore, but I'm telling you, that's how I learned my money. It's the same thing with if I go to the corner store, which most kids don't do. It's funny, we talked about it yesterday. Um, kids don't have the same experiences that we have. They don't go to the corner store and have to figure out how much change they're supposed to get back. We went, you know what I'm saying? Your mom said, bring my change back. Oh, grandma said, bring me that change back. You better bring the right change. Or they're not going to send you again. Or they're not going to give you that quarter or whatever you wanted to get from the store. They're not going to get the money to get it. And this generation doesn't have that. And teaching the kids something that they don't know in a way that they can apply to have fun with it, I'm telling you, it changes the dynamic in your classroom because they're going to want to be there. They're going to do the activity and they're going to want to have fun with it. Now, we talked about knowing your concept. We talked about getting the buy-in. We talked about that incentive piece at the end. But let's talk about the having fun part. There's something I do called Fun Friday. We can do it in the health room. We can do it in the classroom. But essentially, Fun Friday represents you have done everything I've asked you because we do two weeks out, two EP. You've done everything I've asked you, and you've earned this time to catch up on work from other class to what well, is in the health room. You've learned, you've earned the time to uh, catch up on work from the other class. We can watch a movie. We could, you, we can play each other in Kahoot, Gim Kid, Look It, whatever. In the gym, we set up stations so we might have giant volleyball on the aux side, basketball on one side, scooters and jump ropes on another side. But it gives something uh, for the kids to look forward to. And that's when when I say time on task, shout out to SJ. I don't know if I've done it already. Oh, Dr. SJ, my bad. Um, but when we talk about time on task, you want to fill up every minute with something so that the kids don't have an opportunity to do something stupid. And when I say something stupid, um, we're talking about behaviors that disrupt the classroom environment. We go from like excessive talking. I don't mind kids talking in class. Not while I'm giving instruction, though. You can ask a question. We can have a friendly conversation. When the conversation go left, I'm separating and I'm breaking it up, and then the conversations will be over. 
because I want to have an environment where we can learn and get along, but it's not going to be where it's turned into ratchet TV. And I'm telling you, middle schoolers are full of drama. <laughs> so you got to nip that in the butt quickly. Now, with knowing your content, as I've already said, you know, I've struggled with learning career investigations. But when I'm talking about a unit like, um, like flag football, I'll do a lesson of passing and catching and turn it into, well, how many catches can you make from this distance? And how many catches can you make from that distance? Well, the first group to make it to the end, you know, they win. So it made it competitive for the kids. And even with grabbing the flags, you know, we got to, um, we call it capture the flag. We do two versions of it. Um, but the flag football version is we, we run around and try to grab somebody else's flag. And the kids are engaged in it because there's always something to do. You're either grabbing a flag or you're doing the exercise on the outside and waiting for the next round to put your flag belt on. And the kids enjoy that because they know what's coming next. They know the round won't last for more than about two minutes or maybe a minute because they're running wears them out. But they know it won't last more than about a minute. They know if they get eliminated, they get, oh, I got to come to the sideline and do my 20 jumping jacks. When the whistle blows, I get to put my flag belts back on. And it's such a beautiful thing because you, um, you'll do blue versus yellow. So you're coming up with team strategy. Uh, there's a Kagan strategy called Round Robin, which is like a team huddle. And they come up with a strategy where how we're going to capture more flag belts than the other team before the time runs out. It's a beautiful thing to watch the kids grasp the concepts that we're teaching, apply them and have fun with them. And that's all that you need in student engagement. And this is going to be helpful because next week we're going to talk about being observed. You want when your principals come by or the higher ups come by, you want them to see kids engage in whatever the lesson is. And for me, I always use social emotional because our COVID kids, our COVID survivors was what I like to call them they have survived COVID and they have to relearn how to be socially and emotionally vulnerable with their peers, but in a way that it doesn't conflict with their ability to grow and learn and be independent. So all of my lessons that I set up, regardless of what it is, it'll always say in my learning objective, I can be respectful and helpful toward my peers while learning how to play whatever the sport is. And I remember <laughs> one time my principal came to observe me. He, he said, you know, I didn't quite understand why you worded it that way, because I'm sure, you know, you have SOL specific to, uh, I think it was flat football at the time. But when he saw the kids playing, <sighs> my boys get competitive. And that, that sportsmanship piece is non-existent. They don't care. They just want to win. And it gets to the taunting and the trash talking. And sometimes I change that learning objective to showing good sportsmanship which is basically that social emotional learning piece of knowing how to function in a competitive environment without being a jerk, without being rude, without uh, being too competitive to where it takes away from the fun of everything. So let's recap today's lesson, today's podcast, today's episode. So step one, when creating a good student engagement, you want to know your content. Again, you can't teach what you don't know. I mean, you can but as a first year teacher, I'm telling you now, if you don't know it, you better ask somebody. Ask for tips, ask for hints. That's what your mentors are for. Step two, you want to create buy-in, you know, co-creating that learning experience, getting the kids feedback, getting their, you know, exposure, anticipatory set. Y'all remember doing the pastry? Do you remember how to multiply? Do you remember what um, a setting is? Just asking those questions to create that buy-in. And then three, you want to create it in a way that they're having fun. And last and not least, for you want to give them incentive to work towards. So, all right, y'all, that's my time. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to like, rate, review, subscribe, and I'll see you next week.